Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk, now on its new day and time slot. Today, Thursday, November 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru. Coming to you live from sunny Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I will take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at stewthewineguru.com. Wine Talk is now international. We have listeners from all over the world. I want to say thanks to all of the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. It's amazing the power of the Internet. Let's talk wine. We've got a fantastic show for you tonight. Later in the show, staying on the worldwide theme, my question is, what wine-producing region of the world produces your favorite varietal? So get ready on the phone and weigh in on that one. We'll talk about some industry updates in my segment called Heard It Through the Grapevine. After that, I'll give you my review of great value-priced wines. Today's wine is from Bordeaux and under $15, so you'll want to stick around for that. I'll make some red and white wine recommendations in my segment, Stu's Pick of the Week. Also, I will mention a few wine events going on around the country. So if you want a good wine festival to go to, you'll want to hear my suggestion. Uh, I see we have a foreign caller. Let's see if we can get them on the line here. One second. An international call. Hello? What is your name and where are you calling from? Uh, Victor from China. And uh, hello, Stu. Nice talking to you. Uh, my question is, uh, my question is, uh, well, uh, it's uh, wide known nowadays. The Chinese market is developing, uh, wine market. I mean, developing tremendously these days. And uh, mm-hmm. what is your opinion? Uh, will be they be able to develop their own uh, premium wine here in China, like in Los Angeles or Bordeaux? What do you think yeah. about it? And thank you. I'll listen for your answer offline. Okay. And your first name again? Uh, Victor, Victor Borden. Victor, thank you, thank you, Victor. Well, uh, I want to thank you for calling in from China. And yes, exactly, you... Shanghai. From Shanghai, yes. 
fantastic. I appreciate you calling and doing so. I know that there's a, a, a good uh, hour difference between where we are and where you are. So I will let you know. And uh, here's the answer. First and foremost, I think that trade opening up between the U.S. and China is a wonderful thing. And I think that uh, um, that will bring the burgeoning effect of wine producers all over China and a variety of different parts of uh, the region. The reason being is, of course, you know, wine and grapes uh, and vines uh, are uh, a hardy um, a hardy thing to grow. And so, therefore, there are so many different climates and soils and terror in China. And I, I think that once um, the trade starts to open up, naturally the wine will follow. And I believe, I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, I'm thinking probably within the next five years we'll start to see uh, Chinese wines um, coming here over into the U.S., and I think that the initial wines will probably be, you know, okay and, and, and good tasting. I think the premium wines will start to follow later on because there's a learning curve, a natural learning curve that uh, everyone will have to go through in order to produce that. I also believe that there will be American wine producers that will take the step and go over there just as they have in a variety of different countries and help out and, and give their knowledge base so that this way the wines can quickly become uh, competitors in the world market. So, Victor, I want to thank you very, very much for calling in. And, uh, and again, there's China for you, chiming in on the world market of wine. So um, let me go into uh, the rest of the show as to what we were going to be talking about. As I mentioned, uh, we're going to go through my Heard It Through the Grapevine uh, news updates. After that, I'll give you the review of a great value-priced wine. Today's wine is Bordeaux, and under $15, so you want to stick around for that. And then, as I mentioned, I'll make some red and white wine picks, some recommendations, and Stu's pick of the week. Also, I'll mention a few wine events going on around the country, so if you are interested in travel and want to get to a good wine festival, you'll definitely want to stick around for that. So now, on to my Heard It Through the Grapevine industry update. This article is from Wine Spectator. The article is called Arsonist in $200 Million Wine Warehouse Blaze Pleads Guilty. It's by Tim Fish. And here is an excerpt. The man accused of starting the devastating 2005 Wines Central Warehouse Blaze in Viejo, California, which destroyed more than $200 million worth of wine, agreed to a last-minute plea yesterday to avoid what could have amounted to a life sentence. Mark Anderson, 61, pleaded guilty in the United States District Court in Sacramento, California, to 19 counts, including arson, mail fraud, tax evasion, and interstate transportation of stolen goods. His trial was scheduled to begin today. Anderson faced as much as 24 years in prison, according to prosecutors, but the government has recommended a sentence of roughly 15 years, which includes the two and a half years he has already spent in jail. It also goes on to say that um, prosecutors accused the Sausalito businessman of starting the fire to cover up a scheme that defrauded scores of clients of his wine storage business, Sausalito Cellars. 
Customers believe their wines were aging in a secure, temperature-controlled environment. But authorities allege that Anderson secretly sold at least 6,700 bottles, including collections of Silver Oak, Heights, Turley, plus an assortment of Bordeaux. In one case, Anderson sold thousands of bottles of wine through a Chicago auction for $74,000. And it goes on to note that before the fire, Anderson was already under investigation by Sausalito and Marin County officials after numerous clients complained about missing wine. Anderson still faces charges in that case. Okay, so that's the um, information on that. My thought on that. I don't think they gave him enough time in jail. I think they should have thrown the book at him. I mean, really, this is a wine version of a Ponzi scheme. People lost money and wine. And, you know, you can't, you know, money, of course, you can replace. Wine, uh, you can't. It's just, you know, when you have a, a, a vintage wine, you can't replace that vintage wine. So, to me, I think they should have done a lot more. And I think feel like they should have gave him a lot more. Next up is also from Wine Spectator, entitled, Prince Charles Falls for Niagara. Here's an excerpt. How do you pick a wine fit for a king to be? Well, personalized tours of vineyards and wine education centers are a good place to start for England's Prince Charles. His Royal Highness, who is known to support agricultural and green initiatives, recently traveled to Canada and stopped by Niagara College's new $3.4 million wine visitor and education center, and he sipped on a few samples. The school's facility were elated to have HRH on hand as they opened Canada's first teaching winery. Niagara College President Dan Patterson called Charles' visit historic, and the prince was equally enthusiastic, describing the wines as brilliant Let's just hope Prince Charles hadn't planned his Canadian wine tour in order to find more biofuel for his Aston Martin. Okay, my thoughts on this. All right, all kidding aside, I think it's great. Canada produces some fantastic ice wines, and their Pinot Noirs are incredible. It's unfortunate being from the States that they don't export those wines. Um, and if I, was, if I had any saying in it, if I, if I could put a plea out there to Canada, if you're listening, Canada... Please send your wines over to us because we enjoy them. Anyone that's had a chance to travel to Canada, Toronto or Montreal, uh, and any parts of uh, Canada know that the, again, as I mentioned before, the ice wines are outstanding and the Pinot Noir is great, just to name a few. Okay. Remember, if you have any questions whatsoever, I have answers. So call me at 1-646-381-4860 or email me at info at stewthewineguru.com. So now let's talk about some great value-priced wines. Today's choice is from Bordeaux, as I mentioned at the top of the show. It's a 2005 Chateau Bonnet Rouge. Wine Spectator gives it 87 points, and I have to tell you guys, I think they completely missed the boat on this one. I rated a solid 92 points. The wine is a blend of 50% Cab and 50% Merlot. And any of you that have had Bordeaux before know that depending on the region, usually it's Cabernet and Merlot. For the most part, they're usually Merlot-based, like in the Saint-Emilion region. It's dark ruby in color. It has hints of sweet, black cherry, and strawberry aromas. And a bit of herbs and spice 
and a little bit of cedar. You can drink this now through 2013. The average price you'll find this for is about $12 to $14, somewhere within that range. Okay, on to Stu's pick of the week. Every week, I'll be choosing a red and white wine that I recommend for the weekend or any occasion. This week's red is a 2007 Seven Deadly Sins, and that's with a Z, from the Lodi Appalachian. Wine Spectator gives it 88 points. And I have to say, even though it's an 88-pointer, I agree. The notes on this blend are the quintessential sweet plums and pepper dominating the nose. It also has some flavors of blueberry, raspberry, a little bit of cinnamon, and that totally, totally characteristic of a Zinfandel, black pepper, from start to finish. This is mostly Zinfandel with some Petit Verdot and Petit Syrah in it. The tannins are smooth, and they hold the wine together. The average price you'll find this for is about $14 if you look around. So I would go, when you get a chance to go out, this is phenomenal with pizza. I've always recommended things with pizza. But you can also do, you know, if you want, with a, with a fish. Um, um, it's pretty versatile. On to my white wine pick of the week. My white wine pick of the week is a 2007 Martin Kodak's Albarino. Crisp, citrus fruit, hair, and peach flavors. It's a medium-bodied wine. The aromas are subtle, but they're floral. You'll definitely smell, get a floral scent on it. Now, you can pair this with everything from salads to a wide variety of seafood and even poultry. I usually recommend it with poultry, but again, you have you know, good, a good choice to make when you're bringing this wine out for everybody. Wine Spectator gives it 89 points. I give it a little bit higher. I, like, I think it's more along the lines of a 91-pointer. And you should be able to find this wine for about 10 bucks. That's the nice part about it, is that, again, a very value-priced wine that over-delivers to you in it. Um, okay, upcoming events that my fellow wine enthusiasts can check out. Uh, there, you've got the San Diego Wine Food Festival in San Diego, California, if you're out, out on the West Coast. Um, December is really not a big month for nationally operated wine events. So you'll find it to be, believe it or not, a little quieter on that. And as we get closer to Thanksgiving, as I mentioned, in Yakima Valley, you can go out to um, Washington State, and they do a wine festival for Thanksgiving, where they open up the, um, all the wineries and the restaurants to everybody, and they can go in and, uh, and do Thanksgiving there, which is a great thing. So if you're in that part of the, the country, that's definitely where you want to go. And don't worry, you know, if you missed any of the events I ju that I just mentioned, you can simply go to www.stewthewineguru.com and get all of these and more on my news, events, and recommendations page. And that will give you uh, update you on everything that I just mentioned. Okay, I also... Always want to make sure everyone knows that you can call me at any time during the show at 1 646 384, excuse me, 381 That's 1 646 381 
1-800-273-6160. Moving on, last but not least, my question of the day from the top of the show. What wine-producing region of the world produces your favorite varietal? Now, that can mean any, any place in the world and any varietal. I know it's a tough question, and, and you'll find as I, as I go to answer it, it's a very difficult one for me. I probably would, you know, uh, it'd be a tie for me on a variety of different levels. But for the most part, I, I will answer that. Okay, so I do have uh, some emails that are coming in on this. Uh, let's see. First one is from Japan, from Ichiko Wine. And she says, Stu, great show. I have listened from the first one on. I am from Tokyo and have traveled to many wine-producing countries. I would have to say my favorite is Italy, and the wine varietal is a nice Sangiovese. My favorite is Antinori Toscana Red. Thanks, and I will keep listening. Well, okay. Well, thanks, Ichiko, for your email and the compliment. Um, I think that's an outstanding wine, um, and I, I also love Sangioveses, and I love uh, Italian wines. So, moving on. The next one is from Rome, from Uomo Vino. And he says, your show is tutto bene. It's very good. I enjoy a nice California Cabernet with a nice big steak. <laughs> okay? It says, ciao. Well, thanks for your email and compliment, Uomo Vino. And you are, as they say in Italian, siete meglio di meglio, or the best of the best. Last one is from London, from Vines, Vines of Red. Okay, I just had to read that one again. Well, I tell you, you get into your 40s, mid-40s, and you almost need glasses. And she says, hey, Stu, your show is very enjoyable. I prefer a nice Bordeaux, preferably red. I like to sit on a rainy day here in London and sip while I listen to the rain. Cheers to you. Well, thanks for your email, Vines. And I like a nice Bordeaux as well, uh, even the one that we had just mentioned earlier in the show, the Chateau Bonnet, a good red. Finally, my thoughts on the subject. Okay. <laughs> if we had a drum roll, I'd be doing a drum roll right now. Finally, let's see. It's definitely, you know, it's definitely a tough call to pick a favorite varietal for me. And, you know, that was almost a trick question for people in, in a sense because, you know what, here's the thing. Each wine that you experience, you also have to put yourself where you were when you experienced it, what company of people you were with at the time, um, maybe what the occasion was. I mean, there's a lot of variables. And the fact that people actually were able to answer that and give me, you know, pinpoint it is, is a phenomenal thing because, in truth, I don't think I could myself. However, if I really had to, being pressed, because I did ask the question and I do always answer my question and give my thoughts on the subject, I'd have to say an Italian blend. I think the Italians do phenomenal when it comes to blends. And I think it's because of the thousands of years that they've been producing them. I mean, the average um, wine producer, I'll give you an example, Antonori has been doing it for, again, thousands of years. You know, it's unbelievable. And it stays within the generations of families. goes on and on and on. Okay, so of the Antonori, I would go with a 2000 Antonori Guado Altasso from the Bulgari Appalachian. And I, for me, especially it's been in the bottle now, we're going on almost 10 years. It's as smooth as it gets. 
it's a nice blend. It's got Cabernet in it. It's got Syrah in it. Um, and the Sangiovese. It's just really, really, really smooth. And I would I'd take that out. I would let it sit for a little while, open it up, let it sit, let it decant a little bit. Um, and then I would pour that. And I would do it two ways. I always talk about the steak. Yes, I, you know, I'm a big advocate for you know, beef and, and a good hearty red wine. But also, here's the thing. You know, Sangiovese, uh, the Italian wines, the big, bold Tuscan reds and all, they, you know, there's a reason why when you're having pasta, you're having a really rich red sauce. You definitely need something that can hold up to it, that can stand up to that red sauce and be almost like a counterpoint to it. Um, and I think wines like this are perfect for um, like maybe mussels. Those are really good, like in a good hearty red sauce, a, almost a spicy red sauce, a hot red sauce. Or like a, maybe like a mussels marinara, that's one I think of that comes to mind. Or um, And I'll give you the occasion, by the way, that when I had this, this is kind of why I pinpointed this. I was in Little Italy. This has to be, wow, maybe seven years ago. I was in Little Italy in a, in a nice restaurant there that I frequent, and they pulled this, this wine out and poured it for me. And I happened to be having um, a dish of the house, which was a, um, it was a gnocchi in a red sauce, and they had spinach in it. And I'm, I'm thinking about right now my mouth is watering. And it was just perfect, absolutely perfect. And the company I had, I was with good friends. Um, my wife it was just a very, very good, enjoyable moment in Little Italy. And that's a place that, you know, unfortunately has become a, a, a shrinking place, you know, unfortunately for um, people that enjoy authentic Italian cuisine. Uh, it's an area that's shrinking in size as far as um, the amount of restaurants that are being offered in, in that area. And and the, the other thing about it was it happened to be the, um, you know, September in New York, it was close to the Feast of San Gennaro. So anybody out there that's been to the Feast of San Gennaro knows what I'm talking about. They kind of close things down a little bit. But, um, you know, everybody comes out for the food and, and the carnival atmosphere. Anyway, so that's why I would pick that 2000 Nori Guadalatasso. Um, the bottle runs retail somewhere between 80 and $90. So it definitely has, it's definitely, a, a, you know, a bit of an, I don't say an expensive, it's not the average price that I would pay for a bottle on a regular um, evening that I would be pouring red wine, but it's definitely worth every penny. It's definitely worth uh, buying. At the time, it wasn't even 80 or $90. I think it was something like maybe maybe 50 or 45 or 50. So you can see how things go when it comes to um, the cachet that wine gives you. I've got a call, looks like, coming in uh, from the 916 area code. I'm going to take that call, and then uh, as soon as I have you online, I'm going to ask you your uh, first name and where you're calling from. One moment. Hello? You are on the air. What is your name, and where are you calling from? I'm Simone Lupi from Italy. Wonderful, wonderful, from Italy. Well, buonanotte, because it's at nighttime yeah. here. And your yes, first name then. again? Sorry? Your first name again? Yes. Your first name? 
Simone. Oh, Simone. Again, yes. welcome. From Italy. Welcome. Yes. Thanks. Well, Italy is welcome on the show. We are, we are okay, worldwide. Thank you very much. So, what, may I, what question do you have? And I'd be happy to answer it. Go right ahead. Yes, I, I would, um, as uh, I am a uh, food and wine trader, so I export uh, food and wine from uh, my Italian region. I would like to know um, uh, which are the, um, uh, the favorite wines of for, uh, for Americans. Uh, for instance, uh, do you prefer uh, red or white wines? Or uh, which grapes, uh, which Italian grapes do you know? Okay, sure. And, and if you were listening, we were just talking about, I was just telling you about my favorite wine, which was the Guadalapaso. Um, from Antonori, one of my one of my favorites, uh, 2000 Antonori Guadalatasso. I was mentioning that I was in Little Italy in New York. I don't know if you've ever been there before, uh, Simone, but if you have, um, the the food is authentic and the wine is authentic. Anyway, I would think um, red seems to be more predominant here in the states than white. Just seems to be, and. Yeah. As far as Italian, Italian wines, the Sangiovese grape, as I was mentioning before, and the blends seem to be one that people gravitate towards when they're looking for Italian wine. Um, the other one that I think you find on the white end would be the, the Pinot Grigio, that a lot of people yeah. tend to like Pinot Grigio um, on the white end. But red seems to be a predominant... Um, Varietal and grape that people drink here in the states um, yeah. in a lot more percentage, a higher percentage. And of the Italian, like I said, the, Tos the Toscanas, um, the Montalcinos, the Brunellos, of course, are very big, yeah. um, big bold wines that people like to have. As I mentioned with Italian food, like uh, Mussels Marinara or um, you know Zuppa di Pescia, or you know they, you know a lot of different. Um, signature Italian dishes because yeah. the, bold, the bold reds hold up to the, the sauces, the red sauces, very, very well, and they complement yeah. them. And so, as I was mentioning prior to your call, that seems to be what's most popular of the Italian varietals. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Uh, just another question. Because oh, please, I as many as you like. Yes, thanks. Uh, I come from uh, a small Italian region called uh, Marche. Uh, we are in, in the central area. Sorry? I am familiar with it. Yes. So I would like to know if, if you know some uh, wines from uh, our region, because um, we are uh, promoting uh, these wines uh, out of Italy, even if uh, it's uh, quite difficult, because as, as you told me, the most famous uh, Italian wines are uh, wines from uh, Tuscany and uh, Piedmont. And so I would like to know yeah. if, if you know. Yeah. yeah. I would like to know if if you know our wines. Unfortunately, from our I I do know your region. I'm not familiar with many of the wines that come from that region. Yeah. Um, and what happens is, Simone, is that unfortunately, yeah. the wine distributors and importers here in the United States tend to um, have a limited amount or a more narrow scope 
uh, as to what they bring in from different countries because there are many boutique wine yeah, producers yeah. in different regions. And so, therefore, yeah. it's tough to put up many, many different types of wine on a shelf and yeah. um, have people know about it. So, and it's also harder on the wine producer of that region, let's say for your region, to produce enough wine to be able to make it worthwhile to export it to the U.S. and for the U.S. to import it. That seems to be the problem a lot of times that I hear from different um, wine producers in other countries when I'm there. They tell me, you know, I don't know if I can make enough. I make great wine, and you taste it, and it's phenomenal. It's great, great wine. But unfortunately, the demand that is necessary for here in the States, it doesn't, they don't meet the demand and produce enough to warrant bringing it over. The cost factor is too exorbitant or cost prohibitive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. But that's not to say okay, that it yeah. couldn't. No. What else because can I answer because, for you? Yes, thanks. Because uh, our wines are um, uh, very, so I can say, they are very good wines, uh, yeah. but uh, not, not so famous uh, out of Italy, so this is our uh, big problem. So I, I would like to, to promote them, but uh, it sometimes it's, it's difficult because our region is not really known. Right. Well, I'm going to ask if you would, after we talk here on, on the show, if you like, send me an email about your wine. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, and you know, I'll try to find out what I can here in the States. Okay. Would Thank that you work for you? Thank yes. you again, Simone, yes. from calling from Italy. Uh, buona notte, and, and as I buona said to you before, siete meglio di meglio. You are the okay. best of the best. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Well, that was Simone from Italy. Italy chiming in on the world market. It's always excellent when I hear in from people from all over the world, as I mentioned. And let's see. Um, uh, let's see. I have time for some questions. Once again, you can call me at, now at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero, or email me at info at stewthewineguru.com. I can see some email questions coming in here, so um, I'll take that. And in between, when we get some callers coming back in. Okay. So first one is from Nicola from the UK, and she asks, "What is the difference between the UK?" And American, excuse me, and the American wine markets. Okay, well, Nicola, good question. Thanks for sending it in. Okay, from my travels to the UK and discussing this with my wine buddies from the UK, what seems to be a very narrow and soon to be negligible difference is the number of retail and wine outlets in the UK versus the US. Right now, I would say we have, we, meaning the US, have less per capita than our UK friends in the sense of having retail establishments. As much as we think we have a lot, um, wine has not been as popular in the, state, in the States for as long as has in the European countries. It's just a known fact. So that, however, is changing daily. Also, 
we here in these states tend to have access to and desire to bring in a larger brushstroke of visitors in our establishments, whereas our UK counterparts tend to stick to mostly the well-established vintners, you know, the ones that they know of, uh, let's say, from France, of course, locally within uh, the UK, and there are good vineyards within the UK and London and so forth. I've been to a few. But they tend to stick to the, the ones with the, the name cachet, that, that the French vintners that people are um, accustomed to and, and, and know of. So that's really what it comes down to. And always, if you have any questions about the show or for me, you can email me them to info at stewthewineguru.com or you can go to my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com. Let's see. Um, I, I just need to give you a little note, uh, a show note here. Due to Thanksgiving holiday, the show will not be on next Thursday. Uh, it'll move to Wednesday night at the same time, 7 p.m., so make sure you mark that on your calendars. And moving forward, it will be on Wednesday nights through December. I'm looking to expand the show, uh, potentially more days per week and, and or maybe a full five-day-a-week show somewhere in the new year, and that's right now in the talk. So we'll see how that goes. So stay tuned, everybody, uh, because you may be able to hear me five days a week. Okay, let's see. Um, I think we've got that covered. I'm just checking here on some other things. I have to tell you, it's, it's been a fantastic week. Um, I've had a chance to experience some really excellent um, wines from all over. I had some, uh, a couple of good Italian wines uh, recently. As I mentioned about the Guadalatasso, the Guadalatasso makes one called Guadalatasso Il Bruciato, and the Il Bruciato is basically the same wine as the Guadalatasso. I call it kind of the Guadalatasso would be like the mother, and the Guadalatasso Il Bruciato would be like the baby Guadalatasso in that it has the same um, blend of grapes except in different percentages, whereas let's just say the Guadalatasso has 60% Cabernet and maybe um, 40% um, Sangiovese, and then let's say 10% Syrah. Um, the Guadalatasso Il Bruciato is like 50% Cabernet and 30% um, Sangiovese and maybe 20% Syrah. So, I mean, there's kind of a little bit of a difference. But I have to say, again, for the money, the Il Bruciato, one of my favorites to buy because whereas you were spending, as I mentioned earlier in the show, somewhere close to $80 to $90 for the Guadalatasso, the Guadalatasso El Bruchado runs about between 30 and 35 retail. And the taste is outstanding. So if you can get your hands on probably a 2007 is out right now. I had a 2006 that was just, I can't tell you, as soon as I, I opened it up and I poured it into the glass, before even tasting it, I just, smelled it, I got a sniff of it, and I knew immediately that this was going to be a great experience, a great drinking experience. So um, I, I urge you to go out and uh, try the Guadalatasso Il Bruciato, which basically means the burned one, uh, the charred one. Um, 
you can go into you know any retailer and find that and ask for that, and I think you'll enjoy it immensely. Uh, another good blend that I had was the, and I've, I think I've mentioned this one before. This is a Californian blend. This is a Franciscan Magnificat. Again, one of my one of my all-time favorite blends. Um, multiple grapes in that Cabernet being one of them, Merlot being another. But um, I had a chance to try it actually out at the Franciscan uh, winery last year, and uh, you know I've had it since. But trying it there, there's something about I don't know what it is. If you get a chance to go to Napa or Sonoma, and or any you know winery or vineyard, there's something different about the experience of sitting there at the vineyard outside, you know, hopefully it's a good day, good weather-wise, and, you know, you're getting the smell of the grapes. You know, I don't think you ever would know that you really enjoy the smell of grapes on the vine until you actually smell them. There's something about it. It almost is like, the only way to explain it, it, it kind of smells like raisins. Um, so if you haven't been to a vineyard before, um, if, I'm just trying to explain it to you and give you kind of a visual and maybe and or a, uh, a sensory um, experience. You sit there, you've got the vineyard in front of you, and you're you know, in a nice, comfortable chair, and you decide, okay, this is the wine I'm going to have. So for argument's sake, in this scenario, it was the Franciscan Magnificat, and a nice, big bowl, uh, red glass, a red wine glass. And I sat there, and the sun was shining, and I could smell the raisin, raisiny smell of the grapes on the vine, and a little bit of a, a nice breeze, and I have to tell you, the sip of that wine there versus, I don't know, bringing it home from the, from the, uh, you know, the shop, and not to take anything away from bringing it home from the shop and, and drinking it. Uh, you know, I think I go back to what I was explaining earlier in the show. It has something to do with the experience, every part of that experience of drinking that wine. So I think being at the vineyard definitely of course, has an impact on you uh, visually, the scene. It's, a, it's almost a visual experience. It's just a really nice, enjoyable, sipping experience. And I relaxed with uh, a few friends, and, you know, we, we sipped on it. And, you know, just talked about life and the bonding experience, that one universal thing that brings everyone together in that the enjoyment and the passion for wine. You know, the amazing thing is that you can travel all over the world and meet people from all over the world. And if you sit down to have a meal with somebody or you sit down just to, you know, talk and chat and you open up a bottle of wine and you both have, or the people that you have, I should say, in your company, all have that passion or, you know, intense interest in wine and everything about it. When you drink it, it changes your experience changes your experience, you know, just from drinking and taking it in through your palate. It takes, takes, you know, it changes your experience in the conversation and how the flow of the conversation goes, just every aspect of it. And it, it really is a bonding, bringing together experience for everybody concerned when you're drinking wine and enjoying it with good company and people who have enjoy and share your passion for it. So just something I wanted to kind of give to you and something to think about. And if you get a chance to, to be able to do that, and especially, like I said, if you get a chance to get to the vineyards, it's a wonderful thing because uh, going around with a 
you know, taking a tour and going around with a winemaker and having them take you around and explaining the process, you know, the grapes being grown and how they're grown and the terror and the soil and the climate and the rain and the, and the irrigation and the, you know, picking and the harvest, um, all of that. It gives you a better appreciation for what you're drinking. And then, of course, getting the chance to sample the wine, um, you know, when you're there. That, uh, that is all part of it. So I think that uh, that's going to be it for today. Um, I want to thank everyone who called in from all over the world, from China, Shanghai, that was Victor, and for uh, Simone calling in from Italy, that was great. I enjoy your conversation and your questions. And uh, everyone that emailed in, of course, you can always call me on the show live at 1-646-381-4860. You can email me your questions at info at com. And just to let you know, I don't always get to every question, but I do get to most of them. So the, the thing is, if you sent in a question, you might notice that it may not be read on the show that you send it in for, but I would almost bet, and most of the time, the following show, I usually get that question read for you. So I just want to let you know. And I want you to listen in. I'm going to be changing the show date from Thursdays to Wednesdays. Um, we should be having a show Wednesday the 20th. Yes, let me just check here, coordinate with my calendar. We're going to have a show right before the holiday. So I will, that will be a Thanksgiving show, and I will go over everything about wine for Thanksgiving and of course, the pairing of the turkey and the ham and everything else that everything goes along with it. So you'll be able to uh, listen in on that and get all the info, the good stuff. Yes, our show will be on the 25th, Wednesday the 25th. That will be our first Wednesday show. Mark it on your calendar that Wednesday the 25th is the first Wednesday show. And the show from that point forward will be on Wednesdays, starting on the 2nd of the month, December. So make sure. Anything that you missed, as I always say, you can go to my website at www.stewthewineguru.com and go to my um, news and events and uh, recommendations page and you'll find all of that. I also have a link to the show. So each time the show is recorded, uh, it archives as well on my website as well as www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash stewthewineguru. Again, I want to thank all the listeners listening in. I want to thank everybody that emailed their questions in. Uh, come back next Wednesday on the 25th and listen in again. And call in from everywhere because I love the worldwide web and the uh, excitement of talking to people from everywhere in the world. And as I always say to everyone, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up. Thanks, everybody. And now... Ah, oh, Stu, 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 what's your motive? 